Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. Well, Jeff, of course the season has finished, but uh, the big game we have to speak about, the FA Cup final, we've got to get that out of the way. But before we do, something more pleasant, your trivia question. Real Madrid managed to, to win the Premier League eventually this season, courtesy of Sergio Ramos and his penalties. Ram- Ramos scored 22 penalties in a row. And the question was, is, th- is this a record? Well, no, it isn't. Because between 4th of August 2015 and February 2018, Robert Lewandowski scored 30 31 penalties in a row. 31 attempts, 31 goals. But that isn't even the record. The record is 37 in competitive games and it was done in the Premier League. So who got 37 penalties in a row in the Premier League. That's just ridiculous. That's crazy. Uh, We'll find out who that was at the end of the show. All right, well, Arsenal won a trophy. You know, I was gloating a little bit, Jeff, at the end of the season that Tottenham finished higher than Arsenal again. Uh, My team, Tottenham, of course. And then, of course, Arsenal went and won a trophy. And I suppose the big question is, and we know the answer, would you prefer to finish sixth without a trophy or eighth behind your bitter rivals and win a trophy and of course you'd prefer a trophy so all I've seen from all the Arsenal people and fans that I know on Facebook and everywhere else is we've won we've won Arsenal won a trophy and then some comments about Tottenham I don't know why you can't just celebrate a trophy without mentioning your rivals but that's the nature of Arsenal fans I suppose but I watched the game Chelsea were ahead for the opening period until they lost their captain through injury and then they lost their shape and Arsenal took full advantage to be honest uh, they, you know, they, they worked Chelsea out in in the new formation. The problem for me was there was a little bit of bias from the referee, Anthony Taylor. There was a handball outside the box by the Arsenal goalkeeper, went completely unnoticed, completely unchecked by VAR. We've had VAR all season, and yet it didn't seem very noticeable during the FA Cup. Nevertheless, that does mean Arsenal have won a trophy. Their 14th FA Cup, and that means they're in Europe. Yeah, but of course they, they lose one player in the in the squad because I think UEFA have said that they've got to actually put Taylor in the squad now. <laughs> so you know there, there is a downside to it for them, but the issue for the for the Wanderers is all is going to always going to be about what happens with Obama Young. Does he stay? Does he go? Can they afford to pay enough money to keep him? Will Arsenal have to do what Sanchez and Manchester United have agreed to do? Basically, United are going to pay Sanchez a, you know, a year of his salary, he disappears and goes to goes to Inter. Well, I read that uh, Arsenal are thinking of offering him a couple of hundred thousand a week to keep him. Now they've got European football, such as it is, the Europa League, and a trophy. He's 31, so, it, you know, as you've said on this show, it's a bit limited where he could go. But would you want to lose your star goal scorer? Or are they going to go the same way they went with Ozil and just have him sat there taking the money and running down his contract? Or are they going to sell him? And who would they get in his place? Because they're limited aren't they Arsenal? Well the issue is that the, the, for the money they can get for him they can't get that many the, the same number of goals that's the problem I mean what's a 32 year old striker what's he worth and how much can you get for him you, uh, and it's not going to be a lot so they're in a, you know between a rock and a hard place aren't they um, but either way it doesn't look good for them Yeah I mean I, I think it, if I was a, an Arsenal fan God forbid I think I'd be very very worried that we're not going to hang on to our star striker as a Tottenham fan I am 
worried that we're not going to hang on to that star striker. Uh, Harry Kane, there's not been a lot of talk about anybody coming in for him yet. However, do you think that means that Arteta has improved Arsenal and they ha- he's won a trophy in his first season? Is he to be praised for that? Because let's be fair, they did beat Manchester City on the way to the final. Yeah, and, and that, that match against Manchester City was the first sign that he's actually doing something and delivering something. But it was a sign. It wasn't a des- you know, it wasn't wasn't the result, was it? They've got to be able to do that every week. They've shown that they are not capable of doing that every week. They luckily won the FA Cup courtesy of the referee. That means nothing. So they need to show that they can they can perform in the same way that they did against City in every match. They've done it in one match since he started. When Emery left, they were eighth and they finished eighth. And they had one good match in between. Now, okay, that's a sign of something better, but that's all it is it's a sign he's not the the completed deal and winning an FA Cup that nobody cared about well okay you know make a fuss about that if you want yeah I mean congratulations to our Arsenal friends and fans Um, you've got a cup well done I'm still I'm still happy that Tottenham finished above them Uh, that means we had a better season overall over a certain amount of matches I suppose I'm being a little bit bitter but I did feel the referee helped them on the way to that cup it was probably just as well there was nobody there to watch it in the stadium for me it wasn't a great game particularly my attention and did drift off but wh- where does that leave Frank Lampard and Chelsea then let's let's look at the losers a little bit because people you know have been saying is Frank Lampard up to the job he has lost some important matches and he has and he has lost matches that perhaps he should have won notwithstanding of course twice against your team West Ham so is is Frank up to the job is he what's he proven this season never mind about Arteta we've we've, we've seen that I think what Lampard has proven himself this season he's first of all he learns as he goes and he doesn't make the same mistake twice they did finish fourth from outside the outside the European positions. So I think he's done he's done extremely well actually. There is a lot of rubbish talked about Chelsea and about their defence, and I can only assume it's people who can't read. Because if you can read, then you'll see that in all of the defensive stats, they're they're good except for two areas. One, they're second worst in goals conceded against the break, which he hasn't sorted out. And goalkeeper, and Kepa is not just doesn't just have the worst save stats this season he has the worst save stats ever since they started started collecting the stats 56.5% is his save percentage it's chronically bad the way you measure a defence is how many shots do they give away per match how many shots on target and Chelsea are second best in both of those stats this season so the, the defence is not a disaster at all it's, you know people obviously cannot read right so the problem is that is Kepa the keeper at Chelsea they may very well um, get a new keeper um, during the off season transfer window is is now open. We'll talk about that in a moment, but let's move our attention to a game that happened last night. We're, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Last night, we had the championship playoff between two teams four miles apart, Brentford and Fulham. Brentford never been in the Premier League. That stands. Fulham, we couldn't believe, coming straight back up again. I'd forgotten they'd been only relegated last season. It took extra time, though, Jeff. But the manager, I want to talk about the manager, ex-Tottenham player Scott Parker. He's brought them back in his first season into the Premier League. What do you make of him and Fulham. Well, I saw the match, and I would I would say that um, Fulham deserved to win. Uh, Brentford didn't really show up. It might have been one of the worst matches that they've played this season. But I think Fulham, judging on that performance last night, must be favourites to go down next season. That that team can't survive in the Premier League. So they were that. That's how bad they were, really, because I didn't see the game, but I was following it online. 
fine and it seemed like for a hundred or so minutes neither team really did very much at all and according to the commentator it was apart from the magnitude of the occasion there was nothing else to say about the game it was pretty dull uh, they're going to come up against some strong opposition yeah I wouldn't say it was dull it, it, but the, the problem was both teams were finding it too easy to to re- retrieve the ball and make 50 yards progress but you don't get that in the Premier League teams press I mean I know Tottenham don't but <laughs> but you know the, the teams that press are going to kill them because they're not going to get the space to pass the ball around the way that both Fulham and Brentford did from their own penalty area to you know 30 yards from the opposition goal there were no challenges made in those teams they were pinging the ball about they thought oh this looks nice they're not going to be able to do it next season in the Premier League so either Fulham are going to have to buy players but we know Aston Villa bought a load of players and we know that nearly took them back down again yeah and that was the problem with Fulham last season they were promoted and they bought a lot of players and that screwed them so they've just come out of this what and Parker was saying yesterday you know I hope we don't do the same thing again and I hope we stick with the players that, that got us up but they're not good enough so already we have an early tip from Jeff for relegation it's going to be Fulham be interesting to see though and yet another London derby for Tottenham and Arsenal fans what do you make to uh, what do you think of Scott Parker I mean you know he's an ex-Tottenham boy so I'm quite pleased for him uh, his first season there what do you what did he make of his management style I suppose yeah I mean he's, he seems to be good he's got them to where they are and that's after 46 games is it that they play or something so you know it's not a flash in the pan he's he's clearly a, a decent manager I think he needs to do a good job either there again or somewhere else but it looks as if he's a good manager the football they're trying to play and the football they did play in the championship was attractive it's good to watch no problem all right talking of uh, young managers I suppose just been relegated going the other way Bournemouth and Eddie Howe and they have by mutual consent I love that expression by mutual consent Eddie Howe has left Bournemouth he was there man and boy player and manager for 25 years he did have a short break uh, as when he went away to manage Burnley quite badly as it turned out however he's kind of left the club as a hero one of those sort of managers that leaves without tainting his record and lots of messages of good luck and sympathy from fans no bad feelings towards him which is a great way to bow out but what do you think it happened and where do you think he's going to go well what happened I think was he'd said everything he could say and the players had heard everything he had to say and that, you know maybe there there come you know there is a there is a lifespan for a manager unless you can continue to reinvent the team in the way Ferguson did but you know Bournemouth don't have Manchester United's money to buy yeah. Premier League titles so that isn't an option for them I'd like to see him go to another club I would have loved to see him go to Tottenham because I think he's a perfect Tottenham manager and show that he can do it you know, at the, at the next level up. So um, good luck to him. He, he's been brilliant. The Bournemouth were dead and buried, not just as a football club, but as a limited company when, when he took them over, rescued them, kept them, in, kept them in the Football League, took them to the what, eighth place in the Premier League. That's phenomenal. Actually, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got to remember that when he became manager, they were just about to go out of the league. He took over 12 years ago. In 12 years, they've come from being bottom, so the 90th club, uh, to the 8th club in 12 years. Took them through all the divisions. That's that's a hell of an achievement 
achievement. But uh, like like you said, you know, you do you think you'd have been a typical Tottenham manager or a Tottenham style manager? For me now, though, I'm a bit worried. No, I'm not worried for him. But don't you think now that he's actually a relegated manager who was sacked after relegation, isn't he going to find it difficult to find a job? And then you've got clubs like, I don't know, Aston Villa, going to probably hang on to their manager. Dean Smith, despite almost going down. There are other, other clubs in the Premier League are all looks like they're all going to hang on to their managers. Maybe Watford will get a new manager. Well, I think we can be fairly certain that four managers will lose their jobs before the end of October because they always do. I hadn't thought about it like that. I just was trying to imagine where it would go currently and there aren't any teams that look like they're about to sack anybody. I think all that's all been done, hasn't it, now? But you may be right, by October, some vacancies will come up. I don't think he'll go to Tottenham. I, I think Marino will probably still be there come October. But where would he fit in? Who'd take a risk with him? Because, I mean, he, is he tainted because he got relegated? No, I don't think he is at all. He's He's got 12 years of, of experience he can point to and 12 years of success he can point to. Small team get relegated. Well, it kind of happens, doesn't it? You know, the average is from promotion to the Premier League to relegation is 3.8 years. He kept them in there for five. So, he's, you know, he's overachieved on any measure you can, you, you know, you care to mention. So, yes, somebody somebody will appoint him. I do hope Tottenham get rid of Mourinho, but, you know, it's, I don't think it'll happen this side of Christmas. But I, I'd love to see him at Tottenham because he's exactly the sort of manager they need. Well, you mentioned Tottenham there, of course. Uh, they're having a bit of a clear-out Tottenham because, of course, they need to sell players before or get rid of players before they can afford to buy anybody. Maybe, I think maybe Daniel Levy has done some good business. Uh, you've, you're telling me that Tottenham have definitely signed Hoiberg from Southampton for 15 million. I think, I think, and this means Southampton have been levied by Daniel Levy. I think in exchange we sold them Walker Peters for 10 million. So I think we might have got a good deal there, Tottenham. But there are a lot of players on their way out. Form has already gone, of course. Vertonghen has gone. I think there's about another five players to see to go out the door. Possibly Danny Rose will make a permanent move to Newcastle. And there are there are several others uh, that are on their way out. A few academy players as well. Who do you think Tottenham will get in and who will they manage to hang on to? There are some, like Harry Kane, we've got to hang on to. And is that Hoiberg a, a good deal for, for Tottenham? Yeah, Hoiberg is a very good deal. He he, he broke into the Bayern team as, as a 16, 17-year-old under Guardiola. He's a very, very good player. His, his progress has been held back by some very bad injuries sort of like season-long injuries that he's had. 15 million is an absolute steal. It really is. Uh, you mentioned Danny Rose. Rose has said publicly he wants to stay at Tottenham. Um, he doesn't like getting stopped and asked, asked to prove that the car he's driving is his. You know, but then that's the police for you. So, you know, what do you expect? As to who Tottenham need, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Tottenham have got to hang on to Kane or say, OK, we sell him, we get as much money as possible and we rebuild. So, I don't know. I don't know which way they're going to go and I'm I'm very suspicious about it about how quiet it is with Kane which is usually a sign there's a deal being done somewhere I was just thinking the opposite in a way that we've got away with it for so many seasons that you never see anybody coming in and bidding for Kane. I don't know how it works behind the scenes. We're not in professional football management or anything. Whether Levy at the start of the transfer window just says, before you ask, no. Because you never see anybody you know, sort of bidding 100 million for Kane, but this might be the season, mightn't it? This might be it. I mean, it might be cheap because of the COVID thing. It might be a bargain. It'd be a bargain anyway. But if we lost him, I, I don't know who I'd like to see 
come in, in in his place. But there is talk again about Gareth Bale going back to Tottenham. Where would he fit in? And would he fit into Mourinho's style? Well, Bale back to Tottenham, no. I can't see where he'd fit in. And, and regarding Mourinho, no. I can't imagine. I would imagine Mourinho would just put his foot down and say, no, not a chance. He's not He's not a Mourinho player, is he? You know, the, the one thing that, that Mourinho wide players have to do is tackle back, tackle back, tackle back. He doesn't give a stuff about how good they are at crossing the ball or how many goals they score as long as they're back helping the fullback so I, I I can't see that at all there is a deal to be done there with Real Madrid a swap for Benzema and you have Benzema on 50 million or something you know and three years of Benzema with his goal record would be fantastic so you know, there's something that's worth doing there, but I don't think it's, it involves Bale. All right. All right well, that's Tottenham. I mean, I, I, as I say, there's a lot of players being shown the door, and Mourinho does have to do something. I, I agree with you. He'll still be there at Christmas. I think, he's, you know, as he always does, he's got a big project and plans for the future, but we'll see what happens with that. Another team in the news, of course, is Newcastle. We've discussed the Newcastle takeover by the Saudi Arabian Consortium. Sorry, when I say consortium, I mean government. <laughs> um, we've discussed that before about how disgusting that will be that's now off the table Jeff um, give me some details because it's quite you're a businessman it's quite complicated but they pulled out didn't they well actually I don't believe they have pulled out what they did was announce that they pulled out one one thing to, to bear in mind the the deposit that they gave Ashley was non-returnable so Ashley is now sitting on 17 million pounds of their money which they will have lost immediately now go back a couple of weeks and Saudi Arabia announced that they were clamping down on this piracy, which was the, the issue which the Premier League football clubs didn't care about killing people and dismembering them and, and all of that. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. But, but allowing these pirates and be out people to, you know, to show Premier League matches. And that, oh, no, that, that, that's terrible. So, so despite the fact that the, the, the head, the top man in Saudi Arabia is the top man of the company that was doing it, apparently there was, you know, he didn't know it was happening. And, and he's announced that now he does know he's clamped down on it. And then a few days later, he announces that he's withdrawn the bid. So now what I believe is now happening behind the scenes is the British government is throwing all its weight behind this deal and trying to force the Premier League to, to backtrack and say, no, 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 you passed the fit and proper person test. Because look how they're, they're clamping down on this piracy now. They, aren't, you know, they showed how honest they are by withdrawing the bid. You know, And I believe that we will see within the next week to 10 days the deal is very much back on and the UK government will force the Premier League's hand and force the deal to go through. That's an interesting take on it. I mean, the whole thing about the British government saying yes it's alright what I see is the hypocrisy because meanwhile while the British government and the Premier League are looking at are they fit and proper to take over a football club Britain is actually selling arms weapons to kill people to Saudi Arabia and they're investigating them to see if they're morally sufficient whether whether they whether they are allowed to take over a football club so I don't think the British government are the best ones to judge or in a position to judge yeah but just think about what you said and I think that's that's the proof that it's happening you know it's Yes, they are a completely morally bankrupt state. The UK government is dealing with them and selling them billions and billions of pounds worth of arms. You think the British government cares about morality and football? No. But do you think the British government cares about losing billions of pounds worth of arms sales? 
Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, I think we've answered the question there. So uh, Newcastle possibly still going to be taken over by that Saudi Arabian corporation. I was a uh, consortium. I was a bit disappointed, I suppose, to see so many Newcastle fans and so many rational, ordinary and educated people coming out and saying how disappointed they were. And the new narrative, it seems, coming from Newcastle fans is not only would it make us Champions League potentials, but also, oh, it's a shame because they were going to invest in the community and in the region. Well, this is another sort of excuse for turning a blind eye to the beheadings, the killings, the, the clamp down on democracy, the clamp down on journalism and free speech, which seems to doesn't seem to worry them at all. Now, you're a West Ham fan. We've got some friends who are Man United fans, very, very vehement Man United fans who said they find it very difficult to support their team should they be owned by such a group. And I, if they did took over Tottenham, I would find it very hard to support the success that Tottenham would therefore would then benefit from. So if Tottenham were taken over by a Saudi Arabian or whatever, North Korean corporation, and then went and bought Benzema, Bale, Jadon Sancho, etc., and then won the Champions League and the Premier League, I'd find it a very bitter pill to swallow, and I'd find it very hard to celebrate. Oh, I agree 100%. I mean, if, if that happens to your club, you're better off not watching football at all. Go, go down to the park and watch your local team. You know, honestly, it's, it's the sensible thing to do. If you're in North London and, you know, this happened to your time, go and watch Barnet. Why not? Yes, I think I would have to do that. I would find it very, very difficult. I mean, it's difficult enough with the kind of owners that every club has as it is. And the, the moral bankruptcy, to use your term, that permeates football quite deeply. Uh, but for me, this is just a step too far. Now then, let's move on then. So what do you think about Wigan and what's happened to them? I, I have no idea what to think about Wigan. I, I cannot I, I cannot work out where any of the parties have got the money you know for this guy to put Wigan into administration there has to be a route out for him whereby he gets back the 46 and a half million and I can't see where it happens we do not have enough information to, to say anything it, it's absolutely extraordinary but the the 12 point deduction has been confirmed that the Wigan administrators appealed against it you know they never stood a chance and they knew they didn't stand a chance but they had to do it um so yes, Wigan are relegated, Barnsley survive. The, the question that I find as much of a puzzle is that Sheffield Wednesday have just been, uh, were done earlier this season for a basically fraudulent deal about selling their selling their grounds to somebody that was, was not a third party, so you know, they sold it to themselves and attempted to, <laughs> attempted to claim that the money was new money and they weren't breaking free, you know, the financial fair play rules, etc, etc. They got a 12-point deduction, but their 12-point deduction only applies next season. The 12-point deduction for Sheffield Wednesday does not apply in the season in which they committed the offence. How come? And the answer to how come is that it it would have meant Sheffield Wednesday being relegated, Charlton surviving. So why? Well, yeah. I mean, why why has the, the the football league moved the penalty to next season so that Sheffield Wednesday don't get relegated? It's wrong. I don't I don't understand that. It's, I I understand when Manchester United or Liverpool get favour in various decisions over Tottenham, West Ham and further down the table, whether that be UEFA or the FA, because you want the glamorous clubs in the competitions, etc. But what's the difference between Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday? Why are Sheffield Wednesday being favoured? And Charlton basically being punished and Barnsley being rewarded, in a way, for Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday's failings. Surely they, they both committed the same offences during the or similar offences during the same period. So why is Sheffield Wednesday special then? What, 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 what is it about them? Is it because they've got money to survive and Wigan haven't so they'd probably falter anyway is it something to do with that I have absolutely no idea 
Um, yeah, I, I can. I, I cannot understand it. Maybe it's to do with the owners of Sheffield Wednesday being in the country and you know operating in Sheffield. Maybe I, I, I don't know. But if you have a penalty, and, and you know, although the offences were slightly different, the penalties were exactly the same. Why is one applied to this season and one applied to next season? It's very, very strange. So I, I really don't know the answer. Yes, very, very strange. So we can go down Sheffield Wednesday fight on, but with a penalty next season. So they'll just be delayed going down. Maybe. All right, in the other news, of course, we've spoken about him so much. But you and I are big, big admirers of the talent that is young Jaden Sancho. Twenty years old, uh, Borussia Dortmund, in negotiations to sell him to Manchester United who seems to be the only team that can, I don't know, afford him. Man United don't want to pay more than £100 Borussia Dortmund want a little bit over that. Negotiations are going on, but Man United also in for Jack Grealish. (laughs) Can we compare and contrast? Well, there there is no comparison between Sancho and Grealish. Um, They play in very different positions. Sancho has scored as many goals as Sterling and he's made as many goals as De Bruyne. So you you know how much would you pay for Sterling 90 million how much would you pay for De Bruyne 90 million so anything under 180 million you yes. you've, you've got a bargain haven't you and you get that in one player you, you still got another player you can put on the pitch so it, it, 110 million is an absolute bargain for Manchester United no question at all now the problem is you know even Manchester United can't put their hands on 110 million in one hit and most transfers nowadays the vast majority are done with payments staged over the initial contract of the player and that is what uh, Manchester United and Borussia Dortmund are talking about at the moment. How much do we pay this year? How much next year? Etc. Etc. Now Grealish is approximately every one of his measurables is one third of Jadon Sancho's in terms of goals, assists, etc. But he's a completely different player. Does a completely different thing in a different part of the pitch. And personally, I'd like a team that had both of them in it. But Manchester United are actually quite well served in the area that Grealish plays, and they don't need him as well as Sancho so if they didn't get Sancho they could buy him and move somebody else wide right the, was it Daniel James they got from Swansea last I mean he never looked up to it from the very beginning and still doesn't look like a Premier League player but they've got a lot of pace up front so they can you know they can pick a mix there and Grealish could fit in in that inside left position that he plays extremely well he should be playing for a team like of, of the stature of Manchester United no question I'd have him in any team of mine he's a great player um, just not the level Sancho is far and away head and shoulders above any other English player at the moment far and away the best English player in the world and 110 million is a steal yeah I think I'm going to have to agree with that I think they're in for both players you can see why Jack Grealish is you know never going to be as good as or as brilliant as Jadon Sancho but they are different players but Jack Grealish is good enough for Manchester United I think I'd have him at Tottenham I'm not sure where he'd fit in to be honest Um, I think he would be a Tottenham-esque player actually I think he's very very in the style of Tottenham as I see them and as Tottenham fans see them and I'd, of course I'd have Jadon Sancho <laughs> in fact the way Tottenham have been this last season you could have just put Jadon Sancho on the pitch on his own to take the 11, 11 off and would have probably still finished 8th he's that good um, but so I think yeah 100 million or plus add-ons as, as you were saying up to 120 would I think Man United would bite their hand off Jack Grealish yes he'd be a good backup for Man United but I think he'd fit in at Tottenham perfectly maybe we'll snap him up when United don't need him if they get Sancho yeah just just look at the stats for Grealish for a second uh, 10 assists 10 goals compare that to Pogba 7 goals 7 assists so not as Pogba isn't as good as Grealish and th- those that th- those numbers for Pogba by the way that's not that this year was especially bad 
That's his average over his career. He was very, very good in that Juventus side with Pirlo. The whole side, the whole side arranged around Pirlo, and his, you know, Pogba's speciality was getting goals number three and five in a five-nil thrashing. Pirlo ran the show, not Pogba, and seven goals, seven assists. That's that's his career average. It's not great. It is not great. Actually, if you put it that way, not only is it not great, you're talking about a team that finished third in the league, Aston Villa barely stayed up in the league and yet Grealish managed to get those stats in a team that was not scoring goals and winning games so that kind of for me that's an extra 20% um, on top so you know because of difficulty for him to score or whatever so Jack Grealish probably yeah better than Pogba so what's he worth 80 million what are they going to pay for him a lot less than that I think there was talk that Aston Villa were going to offer him 100 grand a week to stay well if he goes goes to any any better club he's going to get more money just as a, a consequence of the of the deal so if he went to Manchester United even if he wasn't guaranteed a, a starting position he'd probably start on about 140,000 a week I think all Aston Villa are doing is is doing him a favour and just trying to make sure that his next deal with whoever it is is as big a one as it can possibly be very often when you see players sign a, a contract extension in the middle of the previous contract it's because there is actually a deal being done and they're looking after the player to make sure that A, the fee is much higher and also that the player gets a lot more money. Right, you, by the way, you mentioned Daniel James there for Manchester United who everybody said, what a prospect and then he's not done anything, apart from a few good stepovers and everything. He has got a lot of pace. He has got a lot of pace but he just doesn't fit so far, hasn't really made the grade at United so we'll See what, we'll see what signings they make and everybody else makes over the next few days. Um, with Sancho, Dortmund wants it, wants it done by the 10th of August, apparently. They want it out and done and move on to the next season. Manchester City have said goodbye to Silva, who was brilliant for them over the 10 years he was there, but they've made a new signing, Jeff. Yeah, they, they've gone back to Valencia, where they got Silva from, and got Ferran Torres, who's a very, very good winger, and only paid £24.5 for him. And this, this continues a pattern that Manchester City have been doing for the past few years, which is saying, okay this player is worth X and pulling out of the bidding when the price was looking to go above X which is exactly what they did with Maguire they, their limit was 65 million when it went above 65 million so no, they've replaced Silver with uh, Ferran Torres looks a good buy yeah Maguire has shown that he was not the answer and definitely not worth 80 million he was one of the disappointments one of those up in the amongst the group for the worst player of the year so um, Maguire, is, Maguire does what Maguire does. He's a stopper. He's not. He hasn't got any pace. He can't pass. So don't expect him to be a pacey central defender who can pass. You know, Rio Ferdinand. He ain't. That's a good one. Yeah, he's not a no Rio Ferdinand, and he got a lot of stick, didn't he, Ferdinand? But what a player, actually. To be fair, he did exactly what he was supposed to. I don't think Maguire has. Uh, one last thing about Man United. Things we're talking about transfers. David De Gea. Is he on the move? Because they're, they're in for a couple of. The rumours have it. They're in for a couple of goalkeepers now. Manchester. United. I mean, they, they should move Henderson up, shouldn't they? Of course they should. He's the, you know, the stats show he's the second best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. Now, you know, there is a problem with stats and Alisson being out for a long, long part of the season and Fabianski also. But the fact is, Henderson is the best English goalkeeper around and they should just stick him in the team. And if you can't sell De Gea, then send him out on loan. They will be able to sell De Gea. They, they only invested 19 million in him, so they'll, they'll get their money back. Chelsea have got the bigger problem with Ariza Belaga. They're going to have to send 
send him out on loan because nobody's going to buy him and they're not going to write yeah. off 72 million they could have bought Alisson for for less than that I mean it's, it's extraordinary but he's, he's shown he's not up to it so he'll go out on loan probably somewhere in Spain maybe back where he came from yeah problem with keepers uh, everywhere really still don't understand it like you why they paid all that money for, for that keeper Kepa um, very very strange decision that we've got Pope of course and Henderson and uh, several other good co- goalkeepers around so I think Man United will have to move on to here while they've got the chance yeah, I mean, the, the the best prospects are Onana at Ajax, who's an excellent keeper, and probably in the top three keepers in the world, Oblak at Atletico Madrid. So somebody is going to pay a lot of money for Oblak this year. And if you've got a goalie you can send the other way, like, like De Gea, who will go back to Atletico Madrid, that might be a reasonable deal for everyone. So here you have De Gea and, and 50 million, and we'll have Oblak. That makes sense as a deal. Well, on the subject, kind of, Ike Casillas has retired. Long career for him. Few players sort of retiring this season a lot of young players coming through like Jaden Sancho as we've said well that's about all we've got time for we've got a lot of European football coming up this week Europa League and Champions League and we won't do all the predictions for that and Man United are 5-0 up at half time if you like so kind of obvious and Chelsea are 3-0 down yeah so really there's not a lot to predict there uh, but Europa League football football just keeps going and going and going right up until the beginning of next season uh, we'll be back next week but before that Jeff's trivia question and the answer there was a lot of newspaper comment around Sergio Ramos scoring 22 penalties in a row which is what kept or what won the the league for Real Madrid and um, was that a record well no it wasn't Robert Lewandowski between August 2015 and February 2018 31 penalties in a row 31 consecutive penalties scored um, but that isn't even the record the record is 37 which was done in the Premier League who did it and the answer is Ricky Lambert he scored three penalties before joining Southampton then converted all 34 of his Saints spot, spot kicks he then missed one in a friendly for Liverpool before scoring one more so he actually got 38 but only 37 in com- competitive matches 37 in a row now that is a goal scorer that is a brilliant uh, brilliant record <laughs> 37, 38, well, 38 if you count, you know, penalties in a row, in a row, without missing one. You know, wake up and smell the coffee, Ronaldo. That's a player. Uh, well done, Ricky Lambert. That's fantastic. Uh, that's all we've got time for. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. <laughs>